Good morning, God's wonderful people. Welcome again to another episode of Logos and Thanos, where we give focus to expressing the life of the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any twedged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is alive. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For we have founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. If this is true, which we know it is, then it means that the things you have, the things you enjoy are not yours. They are only loaned to you by God. The things you possess today and are enjoying today are in your life because God placed them there. Everything belongs to God, so what you have is from God. Give Him thanks today for the things you possess. We have been studying Genesis chapter 1 for some time now. And today we are heading into episode 85. Still in season 3. It is a season where we focus on Genesis chapter 1. We are particularly in verse 26 to verse 31. And in this we are considering the warrior's identity. Throughout this series we have been talking about the warrior and we have defined who the warrior is. So today, as we embark on our 85th episode in this series, longest series so far, we are looking at the warrior's preservation. How is the warrior preserved? And in this, we are looking at the third declaration that God made concerning man. And in this third declaration, God prescribed the preservation of man. This third declaration that God made in Genesis chapter 1, from verse 29 Here's what God says. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. This is God's third declaration. And as we look at this declaration that God has made concerning man, we see that God is literally specifying to us what it is that the warrior is going to be preserved by. What, how is the warrior going to be preserved? And as we contemplate this, we have already looked at the first part of this decoration, and we are now looking at the second part of this decoration. The first part of this decoration states, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed for meat, which is upon the face of the earth. And the second part says, And every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat. So we're looking now at the second part of the decoration, and we are now turning our attention to study this, this second part of the third decoration that God made concerning man. Behold, I've given you every tree for meat. Now as we consider this second part of the decoration, as we consider this statement here, we have to understand basically what God is saying to us concerning this, this, this tree. He says, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. God defined here what it is that we are going to be 
feeding on or feasting upon. And it's this second part here. He says every tree. Every tree. Now every tree doesn't there mean that we're going to eat every tree. Because he specify what, what type of these trees we are going to eat. He says in the which is the fruit of a tree. In other words, it must bear fruit. So the tree that bears fruit, that's what you're going to eat. But he further defines it. And he says, the fruit of a tree yielding seed. So it's the fruit that has the seed in it, that is the one you eat. So a fruit without seed is not, is not being specified here. It says it must be a fruit and it must have a seed in it. So here's a three step to the, to the specification as to what we eat. It says you're going to eat every tree. So the fruit must be from a tree. It must be from a tree and it must be a fruit. And it must come from a tree, but it must also have seed in it. So it's a fruit from a tree yielding seed. That is what you're going to eat. Now by using this statement and by using this, this line that God states here, we can literally find our food. These things are our, our food sources. We can literally find them. Now, in our first analysis, looking at the first part of this declaration, we looked at the keyword. And the keyword in the first part was herb. And so we defined what herb is by looking at the Hebrew letter and word, letters and word to understand what it really means. Now we're turning our attention to the second part. So the first question we're going to ask here is, what is the keyword here? What is the keyword in the second part of God's decoration? And every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat. Which word there would stand out as the most important word to know? For me, that's the word tree. Because this is what God is specifying for us to eat. This word tree that produces the fruit that has a seed in it, that's what I think is the most important part of this statement. So God says, I've given you every tree. The tree that bears fruit, the fruit that has a seed in it. So we understand that much. Now, in doing this, we are going to follow the same suit as we did when the... How did we analyze the word herb? We literally took the word apart and then we put it back together. So, what is the word here that is translated tree? It is the word ets. Ets. So, that's the word we need to focus on here. It is our key word in this statement. Now, it is the word that is translated tree. It comes from the Hebrew word ets. This word is spelled with an ayin and a sadi. Sadi. So the ayin and the sadi spells the word ets. Now here's what we have to understand. We must understand that here we have this same this word beginning with the same letter that our previous keyword began with. The word herbs, sav. We looked at that word and it began with an ayin. Here we come to the word for trees and it also begins. With the iron. So therefore, there's going to be a correlation between the trees and the herbs. 
And we are going to, if, if we should analyze this word, we should see those similarities. So as with the word esev, this word etz begins with the ayin. So let's look at the word etz. Now we have just concluded looking at the ayin in our previous um, section that we're looking at the first part of this third declaration. While we're looking at the word herb, we also consider the word, the, the, the meaning of the letter ayin and we analyze the letter ayin. So if you want a breakdown or to understand what ayin means, you can go listen to episode 84. So what we are going to now turn our attention to the second letter of this word. So this word is spelled with two letters, the Ain and the, and the um, Saadi. So we're going to be looking at the Saadi to understand what it means. So as we analyze this word, it will unveil the truth concerning this concept to us. From this analysis, from our analysis of this word, we will learn what this word refers to, how this benefits us, and how it works in preserving the warrior. So we'll analyze each letter understanding each component to better understand the solution. Now, in this case, we are going to be analyzing one letter. Since we have just recently analyzed the iron, we are going to just be analyzing the, the Saudi, Saudi. So let's turn our attention now to look at the Saudi. Every Hebrew letter has a pictogram because originally these letters were written as pictographs. Right? They were used to, 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 to represent each of these letters. So what's, the first thing we'll consider here is the pictogram of the letter Saudi. So what's the pictogram of the letter Saudi? The pictogram of the letter Saudi is that of a fish hook or a man laying on his side. Now, a fish hook is used to hunt fish. When you hook a fish, you are able to pull it towards you. So the, the Saudi is that hook, that pull that allows you to pull the fish towards you. This is why Saudi means to pull towards or something inescapable, a desire or trouble, a harvest, righteous, or it means to hunt. That's why the Saudi would be used to mean those concepts. It is a trail or a path. Now there's something else about the Saudi. The Saudi is a trail or a path that leads to a destination or a stronghold, or a waterhole, or a stream. So it's a, it's a path that leads to a destination. This destination may be a, a, a stronghold, it may be a well, or a watering hole, or a stream. So we understand from this that the Saudi is also a path that leads to a specific destination. So the Saudi is also um, that. All right. So this path is designated not by the traveler, but by the creator of the destination. You understand that the pathway to that specific destination is not a pathway that is designed or specified by the person who is walking the pathway. It is normally something that is specified and defined by the creator of the destination. So a man might dig a well, he will build, create a path that leads to that well. So that pathway that is created is created by the individual who made the well. And in this way, he creates a path to the well so that they, he can get to the well in safety or safely. So the creation of the path is not by those who are traveling the path, it's by the, the one who created the destination. Right? So Saudi is actually the Hebrew word for righteous. 
It means to be in the right or to be right or to be just. That's what it means. So Saudi is the base word for the word righteousness or to be righteous. That is something to note. And I hope you can write these down in your notebooks because it will help you in the long run. The next we want, then next we want to look at the shape and the form of the Saudi. Now the shape and the form of a letter will teach us about the letter. An Hebrew letter may be formed from other Hebrew letters, and this will uh, analyzing this will add to the scope of the letter definition. All right, so the Saudi is formed from a nun and a vav. All right, so if you know what a nun is, you'd write the nun, and on the back of the nun, towards the middle, you join a vav that extends up to the line, to the top line. So you have something that looks like almost an X with the bottom part of the, the, the left foot of the X is removed. So you end up with something that looks almost like a deformed X, as you would say. The bottom left hand, left hand side is removed. And so you only have that, that, that major um, slanted line with one part of the X attached to it. If you can envision that. Now, the nun is a fish. Or a seed. That's that's a pictogram for the nun. Any correlation here? Well, the nun is a fish, and the sadi, the sadi is a fish hook. So it's a fish that is hooked. And then sadi is formed from a vav and a nun. So the vav is that which connects. So the vav is connected to the nun, which represents a fish. So that vav connecting to the nun is that connection that pulls the nun towards. Right? So that we say the nun is a fish or a seed. There are two forms of the nun. There is what is called a nun kefufa, and that's the bench nun. One that is used at the beginning and within a word. What I sometimes call the, the, call the normal nun. Then you have the other one, which is the nun peshuta. That is the straight or final nun. It is the one that is used at the end of a word. It's also called the final nun. The Talmud states that the nun kefufa represents one who is bent over, someone who is humble, bent over, you know, someone bowing, someone who is humble. The nun peshuta is one who is straight. This teaches us, my friends, that the man who is bent over throughout his life, that means he is humble, he submits to the law and order of God. He submits to the law and order of God, to the Torah, and also to God. In the end, in the world to come, that man will stand tall and straight. That's what the nun, the message of the nun that the man who is bent over all his life, in the end, in the world to come, this same man will stand tall and straight. God will bless him with tremendous reward. That's what the nun teaches. The nun also teaches that in our circumstances, our situations, our trials, if we remain humble throughout those periods of our lives, in the end, we will stand tall and straight. In this analogy of the nun, we see that it is by, hum by humility that one is established. It is by humility 
that you are established. It says pride goes before a fall. See? And so we have to understand humility is what precedes us being lifted up and elevated or promoted. Humility is the prerequisite for any promotion, especially from God. Now, God will bless us with tremendous reward if we learn to go through our hardships, our diverse situations, our trials or tests with humility. The nun, its gematria is 50. And even in its gematria, it also connects with the Saudi. Here we'll see that the gematria of the nun is 50. 50 is a number for redemption and freedom. The width of Noah's ark was 50 cubits. We see that in Genesis 6 verse 15. The number 50 also features in the temple design. In Exodus 26 verse 5, it says, God giving instruction to Moshe here. He says, 50 loops shalt thou make in the one curtain, and 50 loops shalt thou make in the edge of the curtain, that is, in the coupling of the second, and the loops may take hold one of another. We see, friends, that 50 features prominently in the design of the temple. Here it says the length of the court in, in Exodus 27, 18, it says the length of the court shall be an hundred cubits and the breadth 50 everywhere and the height five cubits of fine twine linen and their sockets of brass. The valve, the next letter that is joined with the nun to form the sadi, the sadi. The valve is the nail. It's a peg or a hook. The tent peg is used to connect the tent to the earth, holding it in place. It connects that which is above with what is below. This reminds me of Jacob as he was traveling. He stopped to rest. And in his vision, he saw a ladder extending from heaven to earth and the angels ascending and descending on that ladder. This is the depiction of the valve. Because the valve connects that which is above with the, what is below. A hook is used to pull something up. It brings that which is below to the realms of what is above. So the valve connects. It joins two entities together. Specifically, my friends, the valve speaks of God pulling man up to be with him. It is always God who draws man to himself. It's never man who goes to God. The relationship that man has with God is always initiated by God. It is him who redeems us by him reaching down to redeem us. We do not reach up to God. This is why religion, my friends, is a futile effort of man to get to God. When we understand that we can never get to God, but God can get to us, all we need for redemption is surrender to the will of God. That's all we need. Just surrender so, so that he can reach down and pull us up to be with him. The gematria of the Vav is six. The Vav in its number also refers to all of creation because the number six is not just the number of man. It is also the number of creation. The depiction, therefore, of the Saudi is a fish that is hooked. 
Because remember, the nun is the fish. The vav is the ook. So the depiction here is the fish that is ook. Or it is a seed that is from God. So it's a seed that flows along that shoot that extends from God down to man. The seed that comes from, from God to man. Because the vav is also said to be a shoot that extends from God down to the earth to man. So it is a seed that is from God. The seed of God. That is a full essence of God in seed form. That must be nurtured and brought forth and made manifest. In Philippians 1 verse 11, it says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So this Saudi here, it speaks of the seed that comes from God, the seed of God. And this seed is a full essence of God in seed form that must be nurtured. This seed must be nurtured and brought forth and made manifest here. Philippians 1.11 speaks of the fruits of righteousness. Righteousness, that seed that germinates. You see, the seed must germinate. And grow to become a tree that bears fruits. That's what Philippians 1.11 says. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. These seeds, the seed grows, become a tree and bears fruit. Righteousness is that seed that germinates and grow to become a tree that bears fruit. We are that seed of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we are that seed of righteousness, made so by Jesus Christ, through, by God through Jesus Christ. You see, the man connected to God in humility, submitted to God and his word, that is righteousness. The man who is connected to God, in humility, submitted to God and his word, that is righteousness. This is what this teaches us, my friends, about the, the, the Nun and the Vav teaches us in forming the Saudi. The Vav is God reaching down to connect with man and lifting, him, lifting man up to be where he is. Together with the Nun, here in the letter Saudi, it teaches us that righteousness is not man living by certain codes and rules, but rather it is God connecting with man and lifting him up to God's realm. This empowers man and establishes him. And these rules and codes of conduct are now a manifestation of his connected connection with God, his relationship with God. Isaiah 54, 17 very popular verse of scripture. It says, No no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Righteousness is the act of God in positioning us in a right relationship with himself. It is not the act of man. Our righteousness is of God. It is not man obeying certain codes or rules, but it's man being properly aligned in relationship with God, connected with God. That's what righteousness is. And as a result of that relationship and that connection with God, the right action, the right behavior flows out. The right behavior, the right conduct becomes a manifestation from your life begins to be manifested in you. In other words, righteousness bears fruit. 
and these acts of righteousness are the fruits of righteousness. So therefore, righteousness is not what you do. The fruits is not righteousness. Righteousness is a tree. And the tree bears fruits. So the right conduct, the right actions, those are the manifestation of the fruits of righteousness. Righteousness is a right relationship with God. You see, God declared this from the beginning. He declared it from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. He said, let us make man in our image. That declares God's intended connection with man. God intend for man to remain connected to him. That's why he says, let us make man in our image. Man is the manifested image of God. He's supposed to manifest God in the earth realm. The word there translated image is the word Salem. It begins with a Saudi. So here from the beginning, God declares that man is, go, is, is to be connected with him because man is the express image of God. That's what man was created to be. And as he imaged God, that is where righteousness flows because God is righteous. So the image also is expected to be righteous. So as man image God, he declares righteousness. He, be, he is righteous because he is related or in relationship with God. He's connected properly to God. It is when we are connected with God properly that we are declared righteous. That is when we are righteous. When we are in right standing with God. That is what righteousness is. It is not obeying rules of regulations or conduct. It is about your relationship that you have with God. And as a result of that relationship, you begin to do that which is right. Because that is the fruit of righteousness. You are the image of who you are related to. We have seen here in, this, in our look at that Saudi that our relationship with God is really what righteousness is. Righteousness is us being in right standing with God, having the right relationship with God. Absent this relationship, you cannot declare yourself as being righteous. This is so because righteousness is a matter of a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can't call yourself righteous because that's what it is. Us being rightly aligned with God. Today, let this be your, on your agenda that I am going to be what God has called me to be. And in order for me to be that, I must maintain my relationship with God. And if you don't have that relationship with God, you need to get it. You need to start that relationship with Him. All it takes is you repenting of your sins, inviting Him into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, and you can start that relationship. Would you do that today? Would you do that today? Would you start that relationship with Jesus Christ today? I implore you, do that and live. Father, we give you thanks today, O oh God, for your goodness, your love, your mercies. Father, as we give you thanks for your mercies and your grace upon our lives, we want to thank you, O oh God, for your favor that you have shown us in so many ways. We present to you today, Father, all those who are listening here today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. We pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will impress upon their hearts their need for you. Impress upon their minds their need for you, O oh God that they'll seek you with their whole heart and learn to be your son, your daughter, and learn of your love and experience your love. 
We give you thanks, O oh God, for your favor and your goodness in our lives. And we tell you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day now, my friends. And do remember that God loves you, and I do too. Shalom.